Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Good evening, everybody. We are live. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. How's everybody doing? We got a packed house compared to this week, and it'll be nice and loud because Nate's there. Um... I just want to say welcome to everybody. So welcome to the people that are here and welcome to the people that are watching online. I hear the nice things you guys say and people talking to me about watching online. So I always want sometimes when you're up here, you forget that um, all those people watching online too. So I want to give a shout out to those guys and, and just welcome people. If it is your um, first time, welcome to Save the Cowboy. So if you don't know what we do, we're a ministry here in Kiowa, Colorado. And uh, what we do is we raise high quality beef and we give it away free of charge. So the work comes on our end and we give it away to the hungry uh, for free because that's what Jesus did. So, um, but yeah, welcome this evening. Um, just a couple announcements. We always start off with a little bit of announcements. Um, not much to talk about besides if you guys were here this morning, you heard me extend my challenge to you guys. And what was that? <clears throat> Bring people, right? So, um, yeah, I'm proud of you, although they've been here before. Um, <laughs> I love Nate so much. Um, but we're starting like in the new year, in this new season, what we want to start out doing is, is I want to extend that challenge for to start bringing people in especially to sunday night service and here's why um less people there's not the front row crew that everybody's trying to get up to like it, it's just a more intimate service where everybody can come and everybody can belong so that's going to be my challenge to you guys and in response to that i'm going to make sure that um, we're prepared and that there's always a good message that somebody who maybe is coming to church for the first time or has a little bit of church hurt or who struggled um, with their faith or borderline, um, that, that it'll be good for them to hear and be put on their ears. Um, other than that, let's kind of get service started tonight. So join me in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather this evening, and, and we thank you for these wonderful people that always come out and, and celebrate each other and, and create this community, Lord, where, where everybody belongs and, and new people can come and, and try their faith and just enjoy you, Lord. And, and there's just something to that that I thank you for. I pray that you bless this message this evening, that it falls upon um, the ears that need to hear it, and, and that, that I articulate it well, Lord, and that just the Holy Spirit speaks this evening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, um, recently, you know, with the holiday season racking, wrapping up, I've, I've had a story that I've kind of wanted to tell up here, and um, I'm actually going to tell that tonight. So, a couple weeks ago, I would say, um, Joe, Joe Douglas, who's here this evening, um, I know, I'm sorry, um, and Mitch and myself, we always try to get together and, and have, and his wife, Megan, um, who's awesome, his better half, we always try to get together and have dinner, you know, at least once a week or once every couple of weeks. So, and, and one thing Joe and I like to do is we like to go have sushi, um, I know, I, I think that was Nate. Uh, I'm by no means a sushi connoisseur, but I have kind of this rule that if you, if you fry something and you cover it in mayonnaise, um, or the millennials will call it aioli, um, I'll eat it, right? So we have the sushi connoisseurs back there, and I, we're trying to convince Mitch that to try sushi. You know him, he's old, old, sold cowboy, I guess. Um, 
and then I'll just eat anything that's fried and in mayonnaise, right? So we decide, hey, we're going, I think it was a Saturday night, we were going to drive, um, I was going to drive up there from Rama. Him and Mitch were already working and they were in town, so they were heading that way. Well, what happened is, is and normally I, I promise, I'm usually always on time. And I'm normally always on time because I speed a lot. Um, but I was falling behind because I think I was watching football. So I looked up at the clock, and you guys ever do that where it's like, hey, I have to be somewhere and it's going to take me 40 minutes to get there, and you don't know where that number comes in because in reality, even if you speed, you're like an hour and 20 minutes away. Any of you guys relate to that, or is that just Rama people? Um, so needless to say, they're sitting waiting for me at dinner, and I'm just speeding trying to get there, right? Because I love sushi, I love fried things, I love mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> So I'm speeding, weaving in through traffic, which usually is, is status quo for me. It's par for the course. Um, I end up getting there. Um, only a couple people flipped me the bird and um, said mean things about my mom, which aren't true, and um, all of that stuff. So I end up in the parking lot, and I feel myself just really amped and really anxious. Like, do you guys get that way when you're in traffic? Anybody else? So... What ends up happening is I sit there and park, and as I get out of my vehicle, um, I'm rushing to get inside, and something catches my attention to the left. So to put things into perspective or give you a scale here, my truck is parked in a parking lot in the northern part of Colorado Springs, like a nicer park, and I'm here, there's a parking space here, and I hear like a noise or a commotion right here to my left. So. I hear cuss words and, and these two guys yelling at each other. And this guy, is, he, he's parked right here, um, but it's his trunk. So there's empty space, empty space, my truck, a divider, and like a little Kia Soul. And the guy like in the, do you guys know what a Kia Soul is, the little alien cars? Yeah, I, I, peep, she, <laughs> I was just going to say people here don't have them. Um, but they, they look like the little alien cars, right? And there's some guy in there, and they're just jawing at each other. And I kid you not, this is happening right next to me. So I just sit there and watch. And what ends up happening is this guy, within 10 or 20 seconds maybe, gets out of the Kia Soul, and these two start fighting right next to me. Like literally fist fighting. And what happens is the guy that ran out in the Kia Soul took, a, like, took one to the chin and just collapsed. Um, and, and the funny part about that was I'm just standing there like this. Like, I'm in, I'm in shock. Literally, all I did was get out of the truck. And this guy folds, and I have to hand it to him. You guys ever had, like, literal, you ever seen, like, literal sense get knocked into somebody? Like, they had something in their mind, and they had an idea about how it was going to go. And as soon as something connected with them, they were done. That was the first time that I've ever seen literal sense get knocked into somebody. So this guy gets up, brushes himself off, casually walks back to his car and drives off. <laughs> Literally, like he took one hit and he was, he was like, yep, shouldn't have done that. And, and then uh, walked back to his car and was like, uh, I hope nobody videotaped that. Don't worry, I didn't have time. <laughs> and, and, and the funniest thing was that that, that dude was probably middle-aged and this was like a younger guy that punched him. And I have no idea what was going on with them. But the funniest thing was that dude just casually walks into Papa uh, Murphy's. Is that the place where you bake the pizzas? This guy just casually walking into Papa Murphy's, like how I would feel if I knocked somebody out in one punch. Um, 
and like the pastor in me kicks in or, or the firefighter, whatever you want to say. And I'm like, wait, I should have stopped that. Right. So I'm like, Hey guys, behave. And at this point, like everybody's well past gone. <laughs> so I'm hurrying to get inside. Right. And, and I go and sit down and tell Joe and, and, um, and Megan and, and Mitch, like, you guys aren't going to believe me, but the reason I am 25 minutes late is because there was just a fight in the parking lot. 45 minutes late, whatever. Was there was just this massive fight in the parking lot. But in, in reality, it was like, did, I mean, this happened in a couple of seconds. I literally just step out and the commotion gets me and I'm just watching this and I'm like, and the guy just dusts himself off and it was so funny. But what I suspect about that was, those guys probably had the same issues that I had driving there, right? Or that we have when we're going on in our day-to-day life. And that's a, you know, how do you think a road rage incident starts? People are trying to get somewhere. Somebody cuts somebody off. There's a lack of respect for each other. And all of that usually comes about because we live in a busy, what have you done for me now society, right? We live in a society where if you are not constantly doing something, if your mind is not occupied, if you're not constantly spending money or consuming or doing this stuff, you're doing it wrong, right? And what happens, why, and why I think we're a people of like big anxieties and all of these elements that, that just plague our souls sometimes as a community is because we are worrying and hurrying all the time. In that same way, we get too busy um, to care about each other. What happens when we're busy is we also get too busy to, to bring the right frame of mind to God or to come to God at all. Tonight, we're going to look at our relationship with God and others through the lens of the fruit of the Spirit. And what I really want to focus on is how a busy lifestyle affects what we do um, and how we bring ourselves to God the kind of people we are, and what the Bible says about what we should be doing with our time, and more importantly, how it occupies what we're doing. We said fruits of the Spirit, but what I really want to focus on are are three things. Love, joy, and peace. And how our day-to-day actions affect that. Because here's the interesting thing, right? Most of us can probably, if, if I polled, Name 90% of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of that stuff. And we think of those as like emotions or um, um, things like that. But what I want you guys to keep in mind as we go through this, love, joy, peace are not just feelings. They're conditions of the heart. And we're called to guard our hearts, right? Right? So as we go through, I want you guys to remember that the things we feel or we experience in our head are also going on in our heart. And I think that's important because most of the time our issues with each other or our issues with God are not um, issues of the head, but they're, they're heart issues, right? And we've talked about that in length. So if you have your Bibles real quick, open with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, we're going to do a quick overview of the fruits of the Spirit, right? And then we're going to get to that. So it says this in verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants, right? 
we see like in our biggest problems in our life is that our body and our spirit are in conflict with each other. They want something different, right? And the spirit uh, gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The two forces are constantly fighting each other, right? In the spiritual warfare that we talk about. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses, which will be important when we talk um, at the end of this sermon. Verse 19. When you follow the, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So I want you to listen as we go through, you know, what our flesh desires here. It says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful um, pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Things that society is starting to tell us are not that bad of things, right? The Bible is saying it's not good for our flesh. Let me tell you that again, as I have before, that anyone living in that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is being told to us here is that when we seek the ways of the flesh, we are turning away from God, which is the definition of what, my friends? Sin. Thank you, Nate. Um, then to the good things, right? But the Holy, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our love, in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So I want to start with a question after we read that. We talked about the, the nature of our flesh and the sinful things that our body wants. And we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. What is the biggest difference that we see in those two things? What do you notice about sinful acts versus fruitious acts? Sinful, the, the sinful acts are intentional movements that occupy the mind, while the fruits of the Spirit are peaceful actions. And that's going to be important because we're going to talk later about how, what role peace plays in our life and our relationship with God. They calm your mind. Fruits of the Spirit calm you, bring you closer to God. And our sinful acts, and when we give into flesh, they cause anxiety, they cause depression, they cause all of these things that we can't figure out as a society why they are plaguing us in large numbers. When it's very, very simple, right? So that brings me to point number one in this sermon. Hurry and busyness get in the way of our capacity to love. So the first fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about is the ability to love one another. And you guys know I'm going to start with that, right? busyness and when we are constantly doing things tend to distract us, fulfill our mind, and then there's no room to focus, there's no room to love, there's no room to be there for each other. Both sin and busyness have the same effect. They cut off our connection to God, other people, and our souls. So if anything, the biggest problem with being busy all the time, and hear me out on this one because I'm not telling you that hard work is a bad thing. I'm not telling you that there's not, that you are not to be busy or that that's biblical. What I'm telling you is that doing too much is distracting you from being a good father, from being a good employee, from being a good son, mother, daughter, cousin, all of those things, right? We're so preoccupied in what we're doing all the time. We don't have time for each other, and that starts to spill over. If it's spilling over in our personal relationships, where else is it spilling over? in our relationship with God, right? Both sin and busyness have the same effect on us. They cut our connection to God, 
other people and our souls. And let me paint a picture for you guys about how busyness um, in your mind gets in the way of love. Has someone in in here ever made you late? Think about it. I got a lot of couples in here. Think about that. Maybe somebody made you late to service this evening, or you and your wife have an appointment and she spends 30 extra minutes putting makeup on, or maybe you have a dinner date like me and your lazy husband, (laughs) your, your lazy husband sits and watches football too long. Think about how you feel in those moments. What are, how do you feel towards them? Is there any loving emotions that you feel in those moments? Or do you feel anger, anxiety, having to rush, things like that? That's exactly what happens when our minds become busy is that gets in the place to love. When I'm busy-minded, I have a real hard time not suffering from anxiety. I have a real hard time thinking about the good in others because I am mission-focused on the things of this world. That's how busyness works and affects our ability to love one another. (coughs) Excuse me. Love requires patience, right? And when we're busy and we're clutter-minded and we're trying to go, go, go all the time, is there any room for patience in our lives? That answer is no, my friends, right? Patience is a prerequisite to love. You, if you want to love somebody and you want to continue to love somebody, you have to be able to put up with their crap. Can I get an amen from my married couple in there, right? And putting up with people's crap requires an incredible amount of patience. And when we're busy-minded and when we're worrying and we're trying to hurry and just get on to the next thing all the time, we don't have that capacity to think about loving, to have patience. You know, those two things contradict each other, right? Love requires patience, and there's no room for patience in busyness. It's a contrary thing. What I love in John 13, 34, it says this. It says that love is our greatest command, right? So um, out of all of the fruits of the Spirit and everything it goes off of, it says that our greatest command in this world, and it's mentioned multiple times in the Bible, is to love one another. Why do you think Paul's definition of love, like when, when you hear Paul multiple points in the Bible talk about love, what is the first prerequisite he talks about? That love is patient, right? Love is kind. Love is almost always prerequisited. Is that a word? Prerequisited. See if that, see if that um, definition translates online. That's going on TikTok. Um, Patience is a prerequisite to love, and when we can't be patient, we don't have the capacity to love each other. That's how busyness affects our ability to love. But how does it mess with our joy, right? Does that make sense? Like, if I am busy and going all the time, I don't have the capacity to love the way I need to love, and if I'm not loving here, then that's not going to carry over in my relationship to God. So how does it affect joy, right? talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and I chose a couple interesting verses, and this next one's going to be the most interesting um, because it's somewhat graphic, maybe. I mean, I don't care, but um, I think this next verse we're going to talk about, I think in all of the Bible, and joy is talked about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible, I think this next verse 
paints the, the best picture of joy in the entire Bible. So um, if you have with it, turn with me to John chapter 14. And in 21, it says this. I'm sorry, this is John 16. Joy, it will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is bored. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into this world. What is that saying to you guys? Why do you think that, to me, that paints the greatest picture of joy for us? Because it's saying that joy is so powerful that no matter whether I go through the pains of childbirth or no matter what happens to me, what have we said in the past about joy? And this paints it here. It can't be taken from you by the world because it wasn't, get, it, it wasn't the world's to give to you in the first place. That's why I love this, right? It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labors when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into this world. The pain didn't matter. What mattered was the new life. And that's the beautiful thing about joy. This verse paints the definition of joy better than anyone in the Bible, like I said. And what it's saying is that joy requires one to be present in the moment. How many of you, and, and myself included, could honestly say at one point in your day that you've been present in the moment today? And I think that's so important because um, that's just the fastest way to slow down. And, and for lack of a better term, and I know it's cliche, smell the roses, right? There's something biblical to that. And if we're not living in the moment, it's because we're too dang busy all the time to do that. And I think that affects our relationship with God, right? Which brings me to my second point. Hurry is incompatible with joy. If you're constantly going, going, going all the time and you do not take the time to rest, um, to talk with God, to have a relationship, to be there with your loved ones, you're going to experience the absence of joy in your life. Do you guys start to see why joy is maybe a missing attribute in this world. I think about it this way, right? I love football. And I always say at the beginning of the season, because from like, like right now is when I start going through withdrawals of, of, of football, especially college football. Like there's none on, there's one game tomorrow and it's done. So I'm like an addict, like fiending for my college football. And I always say in August when it starts, even though it's preseason and things like that, like, you know what? I know this moment's going to be, this is how weird I am. I know this moment's going to be gone soon. So I'm really going to take the time and enjoy football um, while I have it. Do any of you go through like those same emotions? Like what season just happened? Anybody feel like as you get older that the Christmas season, either you start to enjoy it less or that it goes faster or things like that? That's because we are so caught up in commercialism and um, gift giving and trying to get through the holidays and get the right stuff. We gain this, this hurried lifestyle, right? And then we, what happens is the Christmas season passes, um, we feel no fulfillment from it. We lose, the, we lose the reason for the season. And you sit here on January, what is it, 7th? And um, you go, wow, what happened to Christmas season, right? Because we're so busy consuming, we are not living in the moment. We're living as the world tells us to live, which is a shout out to the Christmas sermon, right? It's easy for us to give our futures to God. So think about this real quick. 
It's easy for us to sit here as Christians and say, God, you have the future, my man. It is in your hands. And that's super easy for us. Why? Because we're not, we don't possess the future. We're not living in it right now. It can seem like a distant thing for us. It's much harder for us to give God this moment. That is the definition of somebody who is spiritually mature. Somebody that can give God every moment of their lives versus um, the surface area Christian who, who will, um, yeah, I'll give God my future, but right now I'm going to live as I want to do, right? I'm going to live as the world tells me. I'm going to be busy because I know um, eventually it'll stop, right? How many of you say that? Man, if I just get this job done, I can settle down for a little bit. Hey, if I just get this promotion, or I just start making this amount of money, or I just get this vehicle that's more reliable, then I'll settle down. Then I'll have more time for my family. My question to you guys is, does that ever work? No. I would venture to say most of you, if you're being honest with yourself, hurrying through a season, not being present in the moment, saying that you're going to do something later, right? Just like me sitting watching football and being late for that dinner. Never works out. You never get over that hill, right? And we always, always, always lie to ourselves and tell us that we're going to, that that eventually we're going to get there, right? But that's not how this works. I, I heard an interesting sermon today driving to church by one of my favorite pastors that I listened to. And he was talking about a study that was done. Um, and it had to do with lying. Like they pulled people about lying. And what it kind of came down to, and I'm not going to get too long-winded about it, was they asked people like, hey, who do you lie to the most? And you would expect somebody to say, you know, my spouse or my parents or um, something like that. But where, what do you think the results of that survey was? We lie to ourselves 10, 20, 30 times more a day than we lie to anybody else. Because we're procrastinators by nature, and that's what society tells us to be, right? That's how we end up in these hurried situations. So if business and hurry are occupying our time with God, what can we do about it, right? What can, how can we live and be present in the moment? And one of the things I was thinking about is um, Friday night, I've been trying and trying and trying because I'm one of the biggest violators of the hurry and busyness thing. Um, I've been trying to give Christmas gifts to the rest of my nieces and nephews. My, my niece and my nephew got theirs. And I've been trying to get to my brother who lives in Monument, which, you know, poor me would tell you that that's 200 miles away, right? When in reality, some of you guys have family that's truly thousands of miles away. Um, Tyler problems, right? But I've been trying to get my nephews their gifts. Um, and I had a meeting on Friday. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to get there. I had a meeting at the fire department, and we had a Save the Cowboy meeting, and then we did the podcast. Um, and by the time that was all done, it was like 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And here's the deal. My sister-in-law is an incredible cook. So I'm always trying to hurry to get to her house. Um, she, she was born in New York. She's, she's an Italian lady. Um, and she's just this incredible cook, right? And uh, she, she grew up in... Um, New Orleans, so she learned how to cook down there. And I don't care, I don't know if any of you know somebody like this, but it does not matter if she is serving a flip-flop on the menu. Like, I know I'm going to show up and be there, and it's going to be delicious. So I'm hurrying, trying to get there, and then the, the other part um, 
of this is my nephews don't, my nephews like sleep all the time. I have a three-year-old and, and one that's, let me do the math here, bad uncle math, eight months old. Um, he's, he was born last April, whatever that makes it. Um, and they go to sleep really early and I want to see them open these gifts and I want to see the joy that is brought on their faces. And my eight month old nephew, I'm always hurrying to get to him because that kid is always happy. And he's like an anomaly because I, I, I deal with babies all the time and I see, um, I've seen my nieces and nephew grows and they cry all the time, right? And they sleep all the time and they're grumpy and they want these things. But this kid is never, has, never once has cried in my presence. Eight months old, doesn't cry, sleeps really well. And what I was thinking is like that kid to me, I see Jesus through that kid. You know what I mean? Like I see Jesus and, and my brothers aren't necessarily believers. Um, they have a lot of church hurt and things like that that are preventing their relationships with God. But I see it in their kids. And I was thinking about it on Friday night of just all of these things that are happening that prevent me from being with my family and doing these things and how it, how it related to my sermon, right? So I always have to take a second and call myself out on that too. After all, it is just a therapy session out here. So what can we do to find joy in our lives, my friends? Be present in the moment. Um, give God the little moments of your day. Pray with him, be with him, slow your mind down. Um, occupying our time with God, what can we do about it? If you have a, so turn with me, I'm, I'm going to go over the last part, right? We talked about um, how busyness gets in the way of love. We talked about how worry and busyness get in the way of joy. What's the last one here? Let's talk about how the actions in our life are affecting or building our peace. Turn with me. We're going to go back here to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and it says this in verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. This is Paul writing. And the peace I give you is a gift um, the world cannot give you. So don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Um, don't be afraid or don't be troubled. And that is it, my friends. That is the key that we're talking about here. Peace is the key to being in God's presence, and if the world can't give it to you, then how can we get it? How do you guys find peace in this world? Chances are that um, you can't really answer that question, right? Probably the biggest questions we ask ourselves as humans, especially when we're away from God, is I just want peace. I just want quiet. I just want to be here and be comfortable um, and be the person that, that I am. And, and really, if you look at what people are trying to do, people trying to make money, people trying to find fulfillment in their jobs, people trying to um, find fulfillment in women or gambling or alcohol or any of those things, what are people truly searching for? Truly searching for God and what they're looking for is peace. And the reason we look so hard and we struggle and we go through all of these things is because we are looking for peace in the wrong places. The world cannot give us peace, but the Bible is clear that you, the Bible's clear about where peace is found. And we wonder why we can't find peace. Um, because 
we live these busy lives, right? And then we ask ourselves, you know, I come home and me and my family eat dinner in front of a TV. And while we're doing that, I'm answering emails and all of this stuff. And then we wonder why we're not connecting with our children. We wonder why we're not connecting with our wives, right? Our busy lives are getting in the way of peaceful moments in our lives. And, and honestly, little things like that are big opportunities for you guys to be godly, peaceful parents or to be godly, peaceful spouses, right? But instead, we're shoving things in, a, in, in our faces um, and, and we're creating all of these distractions that prevent us from having quality community time with each other. And then we wonder why our kids are where they're at. And we wonder why we're depressed and, and we wonder why we suffer from anxiety and things like that. It's because we are so occupied in our minds of the things of this world about consuming um, things like that, that we don't have time for each other. And that, my friends, is not biblical. Which brings me to my third point. I'm going to skip that, that last point. This brings me to my third point. You cannot find peace with God if your mind is occupied on the things of this world, right? Living in the moment, loving each other. You will never find peace in the things of this world. Um, stand up if I'm wrong, right? Most people end up in a church or end up in this place because they're, they're, because they are so fed up with the things of this world and the way things are going in their life that they are looking for something different. And most of you end up fulfilled because the only place that you can fill those empty spaces in your life is with God, is with Jesus and his sacrifice. But that's so contrary to what the world tells us, right? But think about why that is. Like, why does the world want you distracted? Why does the devil um, want you to leave church and go work on a Sunday and forget about everything that was just said in that message? The world wants you busy because they want you to be a slave to them, right? If they can occupy your mind, they own you. And they want you moving and being busy and consuming because you're spending what? Right? Everything the world wants of you comes from your busyness of mind and they want you spending money. They want you occupied. The devil wants you away from the good things in your life. And the easiest way to occupy your mind is to be busy all the time, right? The more movements um, we slowly and gratefully turn over to God, the more we turn into his joy. What that is really saying is the more we slow down, and the more we um, smell the roses, like I said earlier, and the more we take time to say, you know what? I'm busy six days a week and that's okay, but on the seventh day, I'm going to give it to God. The more we take time to come to him and be in his presence with our undivided attention, the more we turn to him, which the Bible is clear, that's where we find joy. The, um, which I find interesting, right? Because the whole... The, the word I've probably used the most here is slow, right? Slow, slow, slow. And, and the Bible uses a lot. But I was thinking about it, and like in the world, that's almost a pejorative term, right? If, uh, if we think somebody is stupid, what do we call them? If we didn't like the service we get at a restaurant, what, did we, what do we call it? Right? Slow is this pejorative term. Why is the world telling me that being slow is a bad thing. 
again, because what we see in the fruits of the Spirit, right, is that when we're living the way of the world, we're living by our flesh. We're living by um, what we want, not what God wants. And what's, what's happening in the process is we're turning away from the great things that, that, um, that fill up our spirit, right? They're called fruits of the Spirit for a reason. We feed on them. They nurture us. They make us whole, right? But when, when we do what the world tells us and we can't clear our minds and we're occupied and busy all the time, we're not eating the fruits of the Spirit. Slow is not necessarily a bad thing. What? And I was just going to say that. Um, and I thought about not saying this in the sermon because I hate it so much. Do any of you guys in your jobs, like they have a saying all the time that's used so much that you just think it's ridiculous, even though it sort of makes sense? One that we say in firefighting all the time is slow is smooth and smooth is fast, which I agree and disagree with some of that, right? Um, because if it's your family member burning... I'm probably going to move a little bit faster, right? And we should treat everybody like our family members. But what's really being said with that is a stitch in time saves nine, right? Or all of those other things that if you take even seconds, it'll save minutes. If you take the time to focus and do the right things, then you will actually end up faster in the long run because you're not going to have to turn around and do it again, right? And the same concept can be applied to our relationship with God. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. If we take the time and we dedicate it to God, we're going to get return on that investment, right? Which is what the world promises us and it's something that we never get back. The world doesn't fulfill its promises to us. So let me do an experiment with you guys and I'm going to close real quick. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to give you a couple scenarios, um, and I can see if your guys' eyes aren't closed. Just kidding, I can't. Um, I couldn't see if you guys' eyes were closed with, if the lights are on. I can't see anything. Um, I'm going to give you a couple scenarios, and I want you to imagine them and really examine how you feel when I give you each one of these scenarios. So you're sitting on the beach, right? And you're relaxing, and the waves are crashing over, and the sun is setting, and um, you're with somebody you love, and you have a nice beverage, right? How do you feel? Let me give you another one. You're running on the beach, and you have your earphones in, and you're slipping, and you stepped on a piece of plastic. Um, do you run with shoes on on the beach? I don't know. And you're listening to Eye of the Tiger, and you're swer sw uh, swerving around people, right? What do you feel then? Probably a little bit of anxiety, right? Or here's one for you. You and your spouse are sitting on your porch watching the sunset. And you're in the moment, and you guys are just having this great, intimate time with each other. Um, what do you feel? Okay. You and your spouse are planning your wedding. Do I need to say more? Nope. Right? How do you feel? I got one more for you. You're on your lunch break. Um, you married a nice Italian woman, um, like my sister-in-law, so you have a, a great lunch that was packed for you. And um, you're not worried about answering your phone at work, and um, you're, you're scrolling TikTok or whatever on your phone. How do you feel? Or let's say you're reading the Bible. Let's be a church here. Uh, let's be a cliche church. How do you feel? 
All right, now you're in your vehicle and you're driving to work and you're stuck in traffic and you spilt coffee and then on the way home you're stuck behind an accident and it starts snowing and you're going to be late and your spouse is calling you seeing where you're at. How do you feel? Do you start to see how this is working, my friends? Do you see where your heart is in busyness versus where your heart is in peace? Every example I gave to you, the first one was a peaceful scenario, and the, the second one was your heart when it's busy, right? Because we said at the beginning that our emotions aren't just a head issue, but they're a heart issue, right? And that's why I would suspect that most of society has a heart issue, is because we're being told that it's wrong to give something to God, we're being told that we're weird and we're different because we don't work on Sundays or because we have a relationship or because we turn the dang TV off and we eat dinner as a family and talk to each other and actually coexist, right? That is what happens when we slow down our hurry. In closing, and I wanted to make this very clear, the problem is not having a lot to do. It's having too much to do. I'm by no means saying that it's unbiblical for you guys to work hard or to be busy um, or to have your time occupied, right? I'm a firm believer sometimes that idle hands can be the devil's playground. Um, but there has to be a moment that we step aside and there has to be a moment that we just take the time to have a relationship with each other and more importantly, have a relationship with God. And the world's going to tell you something different than that, Right? Because some of us, and I'm very much this way, not only do are we busy because that's just the way life is working, we're trying to pay bills and raise a family and do all these things, but some of us are busy because we're trying to hide our problems. Think about that for a second. Some of us are busy because we don't want to deal with the realities of this world, but then we turn around and are doing what the world tells us to do. We're handling things the way the world is telling us to handle things. And that's the problem with being too busy, with, um, with not coming back to God, not setting things aside. You were never intended to work your life away. You were never intended to hide your problems, right? How well does hiding your problems work with God? You were intended, and, and we see this with Jesus all the time. Like, Jesus was a hard worker. There's multiple points in Scripture where it talks about Jesus working the disciples all day long without eating, without doing all these other things. But in almost every single one, what does he do at the end of the day? We see this in our TV shows and things like that, too. He comes back and he prays, and he has a moment with God. And my friends, I think that is the blueprint to, to taking care of our worries and um, slowing our life down, right? That's the key to finding the love that society's not giving us, um, the joy that society's not giving us because they just don't have it for us. And that's the key to finding peace in our lives. God rested on the seventh day, right? And we're commanded to as well, and I think sometimes we forget that. Um, and there's some debates that go on about um, whether Mosaic Law was fulfilled by Jesus, and I really believe that it was. However, those are still great guidelines to live our lives by. Um, 
And Jesus rested on the seventh day. Take time in your guys' life to have quality time and to rest and to give give it back to God and give God that time. And more than anything, just be present in the moment. Um, There's something wonderful that'll happen in your relationships, that'll happen um, in your relationship with God. And I suspect that when, if and when we can do that, we will find love, joy, peace, kindness, and all the fruits of the Spirit that are going to fulfill us, right? Because this world can't do that. Uh, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to, to just be with each other and to gather and to be in the moment here on a Sunday evening when it's cold um, and we've already been to church once and we just don't want to be here, but yet we still come to you, Lord, because we want to be present in the moment and we want to grow and we want to have relationships with each other that point us away from our sinful nature and point us away from the world and direct us to you, Lord. We've searched and we've searched and we can't find what we need here. Um, It's just emptiness without you, Lord. And what we find is when we come to you, you do something in us and you're just enough. And we just thank you because most of the world, that's what they're searching for. And you just so easily gave it to us, um, easily to us, but, but hard for the sacrifices that Jesus had to make and your son had to make. Lord, may we be ever grateful for that. And I just pray that after this sermon, that you do something in these people's hearts and you make better fathers and better sons and better daughters and better mothers. Um, and all of these things just through the power of slowing down, smelling the roses, and being a family and being one with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.